let's honor today all those who have served in any branch of military. If you or someone in your family has served in the military in any way or is currently serving, would you stand? And just stay standing for a minute. Can we just say thank you uh, to these people that are standing? Obviously, uh, Veterans Day was yesterday, and uh, stay standing. We're going to pray over you, and uh, you're going to represent all of those who are still uh, serving, and, um, and we're just going to pray over you today. If you're around someone who's standing, will you just lay your hands on their shoulders? Just connect with them. Uh, we're going to pray. You know, our, our world is it's crazy, and there's a lot of stuff happening, and, um, but I want you to know that there's people that put their life on the line to protect the freedoms that we have. And, uh, and they do it willingly. And uh, let's just be grateful for that. And let's thank the Lord for them. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for, uh, Lord, those people who have served, uh, Lord, in the armed forces and served and put their life on the line and, and just their heart to be willing to do that. Lord, we know even in this room there's several who have and are and family members that are represented. But, Lord, all over, Lord, there's people right now, Lord, in harm's way. There's people right now who are are. Uh, in a place where, Lord, their life is on the line. And, uh, God, we pray your protection over our country. We pray your protection over our troops and the, and the armed forces, Lord. We pray your protection over them. Lord, I pray for peace. I pray for wisdom with our leaders. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to look after uh, those who are serving. And, uh, Lord, we just we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for those who have given their lives and, uh, Lord, those who... Lord, are willing to and are out there even now. Lord, we honor them today, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, let's, let's jump in the Word. We've been in our series, Hall of Faith, uh, and we have, uh, I think we've been in about 17 weeks now. So, uh, if you're, I probably don't even need to keep saying we're in this series. I think you probably all got it. Um, but listen, today we're going to continue on in that series, and, and one of the things that I'm getting to enjoy more and more as we go through this series is I'm realizing more and more, and we will realize it today, that God can do amazing things through you. Amazing things through you. How many have ever felt unqualified for God to do anything? Just in your own life, you've ever felt like, well, I don't know, he, he'll probably use someone else for that. And this part of this series is, one, to build your faith. But two, to let you see with your own eyes and read with your own eyes and hear it, that God uses all kinds of people. And they don't always have to have their life in perfect order. Sometimes God can take your messed up life and redeem it and do amazing things with it. You just, it's, it's amazing. And the story we're going to read today, um, when I first read I was like, okay, that's this is amazing to me that this lady is in the hall of faith as one of the heroes of the faith or sheroes of the faith, however you want to say it. It's amazing to me. So let's look at it, all right? Just as a reminder, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. We're continuing to remind ourselves, Hebrews 1.3 that same Greek word there is used for the person of Jesus. So we're reminding ourselves our faith isn't for something. Our faith is in someone. Our faith is in God. 
God will do the work. So let's don't get our faith saying that we want these results. Let's put our faith in God and let him bring the results. It'll be much better for you. It'll be much better for you. You will actually benefit more by what God does for you than you trying to be at some place of faith to see something the way you think you want to see it. God knows, and he'll do way better than what we can on our own. And then Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is, does it say difficult to please God? No. It's impossible. It is impossible. In other words, this is that part of the message that you love to hear, but it also gives that little feeling of, ah, oh, what's he going to have me do? Because at some point in your journey, faith has to be involved. If you're not walking some part of your journey by faith, then you're not experiencing the journey God has for you. Because God's plans for you will involve faith. To some degree, there will be a level of faith that you have to walk in if you want to please God. And that's what we're talking about. That's why this series is so important. So let's look at Hebrews 11, verse 31 is where we're at. It was by faith, everybody say faith, faith. that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. All right, yep, you heard it. Rahab the, you heard it. And when you hear it, you're thinking, oh, my goodness. Like they straight, I mean, you could have just said Rahab. I mean, did you have to put that little extra phrase in there? But this is the hall of faith. These are people of faith. That, that when, when the writer of Hebrews says, without faith you can't please God, listen, look at all these people who have gone before us. Hebrews 12, the very beginning, starts by saying, we are surrounded by these cloud of witnesses. In other words, these people that have gone before us, which is the people we're talking about right now. And one of them is Rahab, who was a prostitute. One translation says a harlot. That's strong words. Those are fighting words. Those are, those are words that when you hear, you're like, oh, children, shh, get them out, get them out. This is, this is a person who the Bible says walked in faith. I think if God can use Rahab, he could use us. For those three, you're right. You're right. Let's look at the story. Joshua chapter 2. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So let me, let me stop real quick. Remember what we talked about before when we talked about last week, we talked about the walls of Jericho falling, okay? This is before that happened. And a while back, several years before, Moses sent spies into the land, and 12 of them, 10 came back and said, oh, no way. Two, Joshua and Caleb, they had a report that they could do it, but 10 came back saying there's no way. And there was all this stuff that went on, and we talked about some last week, and, and here's what happened. They did not enter into the promised land. So they come back. Now, here it is. Now they're older. Now we have a fresh group of people coming in. And they're at this place again at Jericho. And they say, all right, Joshua sends two spies in instead of 12. You know, because you send 12 men to scout something out. They could all come back confused. So just limit it. Just get two, right? 
So the two go in, and, they, and, and while they're there, this is what it says. Well, let's, let's keep reading. The two men set out, came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and stayed there that night. So here's what's happening. What, okay, first of all, was there not a better place to stay? You know, but they're, they're going in kind of incognito. They're, they're, they're going in. They're not walking in with this announcement. We're here to scout y'all out so we can destroy you. And this was before Joshua knew how God was going to destroy the walls, that we're just going to march around. Now, it's in Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 2, this is the beginning of trying to realize, okay, we're going to be going against Jericho. So they go in there. Now let's keep reading. <clears throat> But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites, that they had come here to spy out the land. So somebody saw them. Somebody saw them come to that place, and they went and told the king. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Now, <clears throat> let's stop right there for a second. Here's, here's what we're just going to walk through this story, and I'm going to do each of these points as we go there. So let's look at Rahab and just her first the first impression you have of Rahab. How many of you had, had done much thought or heard much about Rahab until today? If you hadn't heard much about her, your first impression of her was that she was a prostitute because that's what we said. That's the first thing that's mentioned when you see her name. And there can be something in there that say, okay, so uh, her life is not where it's supposed to be. Her life isn't in this great place. She's probably got a lot of shame. She's got a lot of stuff going on. She's got a lot of problems. Her life doesn't, listen to what I'm saying carefully, measure up. Right? Those are, those, when you start hearing people talk about stuff like that, you think, oh, that's really bad. That's bad. Sin. It's sin. And we are all, before Jesus, we are all sinners. Now, we still, as righteous people, we still mess up. We still sin. We still fall at times. But the righteous, when they fall, they get back up. But this is, this is Rahab in this journey of life so far. This is where she's at. And that's not a good place. But these spies come to her house. And when they get to her house, things begin to, to happen. And the story unfolds. And you're like, wow, watch, watch what happens with Rahab. It's, it's pretty amazing to me. So she's off to this rough start. And what, one of the things that really helped me know is God's love for people is genuine. From before they accept him to after they accept him. It's the same. God doesn't love you more because you gave your life to him. He already loved you. He actually gave his son for you for a God so loved what? That's everybody. Even the people that aren't living it right now. That's, God loves them. And when you see people in situations and things aren't right and their life's messed up, one, we can understand we were there too. And God loved us. Look at what Romans uh, 5, 8 says. 
It says, while we were yet sinners, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. In other words, in our worst state, before we ever acknowledged God, he had already acknowledged us. He had already loved us before we ever loved him. He sent his son to die for us before we did anything for him. That's the kind of love we're talking about. So even when we see this, this stuff going on, look at 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to do what? To save sinners, to save the lost. In Luke 19.10, it says Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. That's what he comes to do. That's what he came to do, to bring salvation. So here's Rahab in this situation, and, 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 and no matter how we want to look at the label that's on her and, and, the, and the pain that she's in and the struggle that she has and the sin that's in her life, guess what? God loves her. And he's going to do a work in her. And you're going to see that happen. And even when, uh, when, when Paul writes this, or it, it, he says here, I'm the worst of them all. In other words, hey, I got my stuff too. Right? So this is, this is the, the journey we're on. And, and then I love this verse in Luke 15.1. In the New Living, it says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to hear Jesus teach. You think, well, what, what are you saying here? Here's what I'm saying. There was a message about the love of God that even notorious sinners often would come hear Jesus. You would think that if someone's not living right, they're going to want to avoid Jesus. Because sometimes as church, sometimes we paint this picture that, that you have to measure up. And it says tax collectors and notorious sinners often came to hear Jesus. In other words, his message was a message of love, but it was changing people's lives. He didn't, he didn't condone things, and he dealt with situations when he needed to deal with them. But there was something about, about his message that he reached out. Think about Zacchaeus. Think about some of the people that, that Jesus came in contact with and how he ministered to them. That's, that's the God that we serve, and that's, that's how we need to see this whole picture as we just start this story to know that there wasn't, it wasn't a label placed on her to say, all right, we got to go somewhere else. This lady, she's bad. It was different. Now let's look at what happens. Let's go back to the, to the story in Joshua chapter 6. And let's start in, uh, in verse 8. Before the spies went to sleep that night, they were up on the roof. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk to them. Just so you know, they did not stay with her there. They were on the roof. All right? So Rahab went up, and here's what she said. Listen to this. This is Rahab, you know, right? You know what I'm talking about. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told him. We're all afraid of you, and everyone in the land is living in terror. For, when, for we had heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea. When you left Egypt. And we know that you, we know what you did at Shiloh and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No wonder, or no one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. Listen to what she says. 
There's something happening in her because she's, she's heard something and she's seen something. And she tells them, and then she says this, For the Lord, your God, is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. This is where you begin to see Rahab now acknowledging, you know what? I've heard about it. I've heard how God has done these things. We've heard how the, the Red Sea opened. And we've heard how you, you guys walk through like on dry ground, right through the Red Sea. And she, she heard this. And she began, to see this diff- she began to see things a little bit different. And then she actually acknowledges herself that the Lord your God, I see it now. That the Lord your God is the supreme God. He is the God of heaven and the God of earth. So here's Rahab, messed up Rahab, the prostitute Rahab now saying, wait, you know what? There's something different. Y'all, y'all have experienced something I haven't ever experienced. You've seen this miraculous thing. God has, he's done these things and now we're at this place of fear of these people are real. And she already knew God's, God's given you this land. She was aware. And she finishes by saying, you know what? Your God, he's real. He's the, he's the real God. He's the real God. So this, this hearing and believing begins to take place in, in Rahab's life. And let's look at some of these verses. Hebrews eleven thirty one. This is the one we just read a minute ago. And if we, uh, <clears throat> it says, it was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who what? Refused to obey God. One translation says they were not, she was not destroyed with the people who did not believe. So there was some place of belief that started to rise up in Rahab. So here's what happens as we, as we go on. Look at John 6, 28 and 29, when we're talking about believing. They replied, we, these people, disciples are talking to Jesus, and they said, we want to perform God's work too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the work. This is the only work I want you to do. Believe in the one he sent. You know, every work in your life starts with you believing. If you want to do something for God, it's got to start out of your relationship with God. It starts with you believing God, and then things happen out of that. But the work that God wants you to do is to simply believe. Believe. In other words, faith, you have faith to believe God, believe God's word is true, and that faith That belief is what's going to catapult you and move you forward into doing the things that God wants you to do. Because remember, without faith, you can't please God. So you're going to have to have faith to do what God wants you to do. That's what he's saying here. It all starts with just believing. That's the greatest thing. It starts with believing. And then look at James 2.25. Because remember, James talks about how faith without works is dead. Because of your faith, there should be stuff that comes out of that. But it starts with faith. But look at this in James 2. It's mentioned again about Rahab. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. Don't you think Rahab would be like, hey, can you just call me Rahab? Like, everywhere you put this, do you always have to have that tag? But it says she's another example. She was shown to be right with God. Okay? Righteous, right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. 
So this is what took place in her. She was made right with God and her, and her works, but her works came out of her faith because she mentioned, you know what? I'm seeing it. He's the real God. He's the real deal. And, and, and out of that, she, she had these works that took place. And you know what? She's mentioned in Hebrews 11 as this faith lady. I think that's amazing. And I also think it's encouraging for us to know God's going to use us where we are, but he can take us from a place of our life that we're not proud of, that may not be right, that may not line up exactly with God's plan for us, but he can get us to a different place. He can get us to a place as we begin to hear more about God, as we begin to see what he's doing, and as we begin to believe and confess in our own life that he is Lord, that he is God, then all of a sudden these things begin to take place and things begin to change. Now this is still, the best of the story hasn't even come yet for me. Here's what happens. Let's go back to verse 12 now of the main text. I'm reading, we're reading this whole thing about, about Rahab. So if we go to Joshua uh, 2, verse 12, it says, Now swear to, the, swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I've helped you. So now she's asking for mercy. Okay, She's like, listen, I've hooked you all up. I'm understanding your God is real. I need help. I need help because I'm on, I'm on the other side. I'm the people you all are going to come take over that you're going to destroy. And I'm asking for mercy. And she, she comes for mercy. And it says, so... Um, since I've helped you, give me some guarantee on that. Let's keep going. Verse 13. When Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then when they have returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, We will be bound by the oath that we have taken only if you follow the instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all of your family members, your mother, your, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all of your relatives must be inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on people inside your house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound to this oath in any way. I, will, I accept those terms, she replied. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. Now, here she is. She's on the opposing team right now in the sense of she's part of Jericho. Joshua and them are going to come destroy Jericho. They're going, to, they're going to take care. The Bible, the Lord had already said, we're giving you this land. And she's aware, but she has this con contact with these two guys. And then she begins to understand that, that their God is the real God. So she asks for mercy. Thank God for mercy. Amen? You know, you're saved by grace. I like to say it this way. Grace is getting what... Is not uh, Grace is getting what you don't deserve. We're saved by grace. None of us earned it. None of us could meet all the standards to say, okay, we're worthy of being saved. It's by the grace of God we're saved through faith. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Mercy, it's, it's when you actually know you messed up, you did something, but the mercy of God 
says, listen, I'm taking care of that for you. If my kids get in trouble and I decide, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let it go this time. That's mercy. That's mercy. And God's mercy, let's read a few scriptures about God's mercy. Look at Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. The faithful love of the Lord, what? Never ends. His mercies, what? Never cease. Not only do they never cease, let's look at the next verse. Great is his faithfulness and his mercies begin afresh each morning. In other words, each morning, they're new. It's, it's a fresh start for you every morning. You want to talk about the mercy of God? Some people would have a hard time with Rahab getting mercy because of her lifestyle. Can I just tell you, we don't qualify either, because, except through Jesus. And the mercy of God is just as rewarding for us as it was for her. It's just as valuable to us, and it's every morning. I mean, just think, when you wake up this morning, when you woke up this morning, mercies are new, fresh. You don't have to go on three-day-old mercy. Not that that's bad, but it's like every day there's just new mercies. Are, they're just fresh. It's like a fresh start. Go get them today. Ah, I messed up. Hey, today's a new day. Mercy, go. And that's the thing. Remember the Psalms 23, surely goodness and who? Mercy will follow me. Mercy's with you. That's the mercy of God. Look at Ephesians 2, 4. But God is so rich in mercy. What do you think of someone who's rich? You think they have a lot. God has a lot of mercy. He's rich in it. It's all about who he is. Let's keep going to the, through the scripture. Look at Hebrews 4, 16. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we receive his mercy. You know, so many times when we fail, when we struggle, if, if something's not right in our life and we come to God, we think that he's, he's sitting up there like, I know, come here, come here. And we look at God like that. And God's actually like this. Come here. Come here. It's okay. It's okay. There's mercy. I, 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 I know. I know. I'm going to help you. Let me help you. That's the God that we serve who's rich in mercy. And he says, come to me boldly and find mercy. That's the, that's the God we're talking about. The God that, that gives mercy even when our life doesn't. Always measure up. Rahab, yeah, you can look. And, I mean, where her name is mentioned, it has prostitute every time. And you think, wow, that she, was, she was like not very good in her external behavior. But she was granted this understanding about God, and it changed her. And then she received mercy by this scarlet row, uh, cord that was down through the window because it says, if you reread it, she lived like kind of in the wall. On the wall, it was like real wide, and that's where her place was. And so, so in, in that whole idea of knowing that she's lowering this, this crimson scarlet cord, there's a lot of things that are similar to the love of God and the blood of Jesus that covers us in our stuff. Do you remember, and we'll get there in a minute. Matter of fact, it might even be, be next. Well, let's go to Josh, Joshua 6, 15. This is where it happens. On the seventh day, the Israelites get up at dawn, march around the town as they'd done before. This time they went around the town seven times. 
The seventh time around, the priests sounded the, the long blast of their horns. Joshua commanded for the people, shout, for the Lord has given you this town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab, here we go again, the prostitute, and others in her house will be spared. For she protected our spies. So guess what? Here she is, and this is the manifestation of her receiving that mercy she asked for. And they said, you know what? Do not, do not lay a hand on anyone in that house. She's covered by the scarlet cord. See, I don't know if you're following me yet, but you're going to. Look at Exodus chapter 12. This is, this is back with the... With the uh, when the plagues came on Egypt, and the final plague was the firstborn that would be, that would be killed. And it said this, but, it, but they, were, they were instructed to put blood on their doorpost. And here's what it said. The blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the house where you are staying. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. There's another place there of the Passover where that blood is, is almost helping us to realize what's, what the ultimate Lamb of God did for us. That his blood caused judgment and death to pass over us. In the sense of the wages of sin is death. Our bodies will, will finish, but we will be very much alive in the presence of God. So just as that, that death and judgment passed over those houses that had the blood, here's Rahab and the people in her house and all the destruction and all of the judgment is passing over. Now, let me tell you something. If her house was right there on the wall, guess what she was watching for a week? People marching around. And there had to be something in her, I believe, that was even a little bit of faith that had to say, we're going to be okay. Because they said they would spare us. And seeing them march and, and, and seeing the walls come down. And here's her house that's connected. But somehow she's spared. And destruction's happening where? All around her. But she's spared. How was how she spared? There was a representation that came from the Lord. It came from, obviously, of the Lord through what Joshua and his men said. They put this thing down, this crimson, this scarlet, the scarlet cord and said, when we see that, we will pass over you. When we see the blood of Jesus, we will pass over you. That's something that we need to recognize now, that the blood of Jesus is what that scarlet cord in our life, that when judgment and, and, and condemnation and, and death and enemy all want to prevail in our life, that it has to pass over us. Because we're connected. We're connected to God. Let's look at some of these scriptures real quick. Uh, look at uh, Ephesians 1 verse 7. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with what? The blood of his son. The blood. The blood of his son that covers us purchased our freedom. And it forgave us of our sins. Do we still sin? Do we still struggle? Yes, but his blood covers our sin. Let's keep going. My dear children, I'm, <clears throat> I'm writing to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father, and he is Jesus Christ, 
the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sin. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. That's the power of the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus, that it covers not only ours, everybody's. Listen, there's not a sin in this world that hasn't been covered. It sounds crazy. doesn't mean that we don't have responsibility to, 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 to confess our sin before the Lord and, 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 and to allow the Lord to help us make change. But I'm telling you, the price of sin has already been paid. And it's covered yours and everybody else's if we'll just receive it. It covers it. That's, that's it. Now look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. This is real love. Not that we love God. See, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, it is so awesome that we love God. But that's not real love. Real love is that God loved us. And that he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. Because, see, the wages of sin is what? Death. There's a price to sin. It's death. And if death comes because of sin, then what happens when he takes our sin? What else did he take? He took death. So now as believers, we know that when, we, when our life here ends, listen, we're just moving. We're going from this, this old house to a whole new place. We're going to be with God. We will have eternal life because of God, because of Jesus. And that's, that's kind of what took place uh, in the life of of Rahab because she goes to this place of having this, you know, horrible start to life. But it changed. It changed when she encountered these two men, these two spies that came in. And, and what they were just spying out the land, but she began to notice and realize, you know what, this God did this. And, and listen, we know, we've seen it. I know. And then she herself professes that your God is the real God. Your God is the supreme God above everything. And then she asked for mercy, and she received mercy. But you know what else is amazing about Rahab? Is she became part of the family of God. Look at Joshua chapter 6. This is after the walls fall. Look at verse 24 and 25. The Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute, and there she is again, and her relatives who were with her in the house, because she had hidden the spies. Joshua sent, she had hid the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. Listen to what it says about Rahab. And she lived among the Israelites to this day. She lives among the Israelites to this day. She was not an Israelite. She was in Jericho. Israelites are coming to take that. And they don't just take her and just say, all right, go be your way. No. They say, now you are with us. You see what I'm saying? Listen, for people that are out there and they're not serving God and they got all this stuff, listen, it's possible for some of the worst case scenarios that we think to all of a sudden see and hear a little bit about God, begin to open up and recognize God for who he is, and, and God to, to meet them and grant them mercy, mercy, and then bring them in to his family. Say, no longer are you associated as one of those. 
Now you are associated, you will live and still live forever and ever with the Israelites, with God's people. That's where you are now. That's pretty amazing, y'all. That's pretty amazing. Rahab the prostitute is part of God's family, was brought in to God's family. You think, well, I don't know if that's what it's saying. Well, let me just get real specific. Are you ready? Matthew chapter 1. If you ever do a Bible reading plan through the whole Bible, you probably skip this chapter because it's just begat, begat, begat. All right, but let's read it. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and Abraham. Jesus comes from this lineage is what we're getting ready to read. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Remember Judah? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Judah was the father of Perez and Zirah, whose name was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon? I just got hungry all of a sudden. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was... Hello. You know who is in... You know who is in... Who a great, 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 great grandma of Jesus was? Rahab. The prostitute. Came in to the family and was part of the lineage that Jesus came from. <laughs> Did you hear me? I'm telling you, I, I was like, whoa. That's amazing. And there's not a whole lot of whose mother was in this. But it was on purpose in this passage to say, hey, I just want you to know this, this, was the, this was the mother of Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. This is the mother of Boaz. This is, this is Rahab. This is, this is who, who started this journey with all this stuff where people would have looked at her like, oh, wicked person. But her life got shifted. Things started happening. Things started changing. And here she is. The very beginning of the New Testament, the very first chapter of the entire New Testament, to talk about this is where Jesus came from. We're getting ready to talk about it. That's what the New Testament, we're talking about this new covenant with Jesus and all this. And I just want to tell you, before we even get started, here's, here's where he came from. And by the way, everybody in here wasn't always perfect. You can look at some of those people and you can say, wow, they... They, weren't, they didn't seem to have it all together. But look what happened. They brought her into the family of God. So, so to me, I think there's, there's, no greater, there's no greater amazement that we could have or whatever the word is I'm looking for. Oh, that's not it, but there's no greater something than to realize that if she can go from this place of struggle, this difficult time in her life where her life doesn't line up with the things that would be right, to all of a sudden being part of the family of God, 
then there's hope for all of us. Because some of you here, you're, you're somewhere in there. You may be right now thinking, my life really doesn't honor the Lord. And guess what? You can go on that same journey. There's some in here who are just now beginning to recognize that God really is the supreme God. And I really want to, I, I really need to let him in. And some of you are at that place where, where maybe you have, you, you understand that you need God and you understand you have it done. And you're at that place that says, all right, God, I need your mercy. I need a fresh start. And that God will do that for you. And some of you just be, need to be encouraged that wherever you are in your journey, God's not done with you. He's not done. And there's places that people probably never thought Rahab would have been. Matter of fact, if you don't read the Bible and you just read this story, you would have probably think that's probably the last time you're going to hear about her. But she's mentioned several more times about being a woman of faith who showed even through her works. And then you see her in this whole lineage of our Messiah, of Jesus. There's, there's hope for you. There's hope for me. We can be wherever we're at. Listen, we can be the same as all these other people we've talked about. Let's be men and women who walk by faith and let God trans, transform our life any way he wants. But let's also be open to allow God to move in other people's lives without judging them at where they're at today. Because if God can do that through Rahab, he can do it through anybody. And let's just be open and let's say, Lord, not only do I want you to use me for whatever, for whatever you want to do, but I want to be open too to recognize that Wow, you know, sometimes we see people and we see their struggles and we're like, well, until they get that all fixed up and worked on. But sometimes that beginning of the journey is God shows up. God brings people in your life. And once they're there, it, it gives you a little like, oh, yeah, you know what, by the way, we, we remember. And it just, you know, maybe you're one of those people that, not a spy, but you're one of those people that come into someone's life to help, help them begin to see who this real God is. And maybe they're going to begin a journey that ends where they come into the family of God, just like the rest of us. That's my desire. That's my prayer. So Rahab was, she was a woman of faith. With, started out rough, but it ended much better. Remember Philippians. I begin a good work in you. Philippians 1.6. This is God saying, I begin a good work in you. Or Paul saying it about God, he who begins a good work in you, will be faithful to complete it. So if you're, if you're still here and you're still breathing, God's not done with you. Your journey's not over. He's still working on you. And he's working on all of us. And it's a good thing. 